everyone. We are back. The three of us. Hello. Yes. And it's uh, Luke chapter 18. We're carrying on Becoming Like Jesus series. And we've got thought of the day about this. Oh. Steve started to wax lyrical about... <laughs> Well, I don't about know about lyrics. I was on. waxing along. You were <laughs> yes, waxing something. You were. Uh, yeah. Well, my thought was just um, just a reminder in this uh, this series of becoming like Jesus. Um, you know, one is uh, just a recognition that we're not like Jesus. We're becoming, so we're being mm-hmm. formed like Jesus. Um, and as we go and unpack these. Um, these chapters, these verses, uh, you know, one of the things that struck me reading through this is, wow, there's a lot going on here, and sometimes it's kind of, um, uh, it seems disconnected in here, some of these things, Um, but I think it's because I've typically looked at it a, a certain way, and I think as this notion, what this has helped me do in this series is, is as we slow down and read it, one, we're not going to get it all right uh, right away, and it's not all going to be clear, and that's okay yeah. because there's time for that. I'm encouraged to go back. But it seems like becoming like Jesus is also about reframing our points of view, our thinking, the way we've, uh, we've kind of maybe we've locked into a certain way of thinking. Um, and so Jesus is using these parables to just sort of jog our minds a little bit um, so that we are thinking uh, differently and looking at what he's trying to tell us as he's painting a picture of what the what it looks like to be a follower of Jesus, what the kingdom is going to look like, um, this notion that we have to be thinking differently. And, and I, was, I, was, I was saying earlier that verse from Romans uh, 12, you know, this notion of uh, renewing our minds. Uh, what's it say? Uh, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Um, and even before that, um, the verse before that, in, in view of God's mercy to offer our bodies living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, this is our true and proper worship. So this notion of don't being conformed to the pattern of this world. And I just wonder if the pattern of this world has my mind thinking about these stories, these parables. Uh, I have um, points of view that has to be changed. Throughout all of this, I th- think Jesus is saying, hey, the kingdom is going to look surprisingly different mm-hmm. than you people at this first century mm-hmm. point of view thought it was going to look like. Following me is going to look surprisingly different. Jesus's view of the kingdom is surprisingly different. And so we have to um, sort of jettison that view, the, the, the world's view of kind of how we might look at things and be renewed yeah. um, in our minds uh, to be in a place. So that's just been helpful yeah. for me. And the fact that there's so many moments where Jesus is talking with people and they would have been like, whoa. Yeah. You know, and, and there would have been a surprise factor. Just we should, if we're not having any of those, we're either like, we want to talk to you because like Jesus has taught you and shaped you so much. We really want to hear from you. Yeah. Or we might be missing something. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I love how you said that, Steve. And I, I, I find that um, it just gives me permission to um, that realization of like, I don't have to get it all correct. I don't have to understand everything the first 
fifth, tenth, or a hundredth time I read this, um, I have to just be um, okay to okay to be sensitive to what God's revealing me in the moment, and and not um, you know really get upset or I, I like to have everything like in a little box and and buttoned up like okay that that's the, that that chapter I understand that one and and um, I wrestle with that like what does it actually mean mm-hmm. to understand even you know and so um, so much of what Jesus is teaching is radical to the audience that he's teaching it to but it's also radical to me mm-hmm. um, and to just because you know we live a couple thousand years later, doesn't mean we're all the wiser. In fact, Mm -hmm. maybe the opposite. Um, Mm. And so to be okay with that. um, Mm. And And that God might require that of us. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like Mm -hmm. there is that sort of phrase, like he who is faithful with little will be given much. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And we tend to think of resources. Mm -hmm. What if it's also to do with like revelation and understanding Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. wisdom and faith Mm -hmm. and some of these other things? Yeah. I wish I, you know, if I understood more, then then I'd start responding. Yeah, and it's like, well, maybe God's not showing you more because you, yeah, need, to, you need to be faithful to, to what He's shown you mm-hmm. that He you have yeah. understood. He doesn't want to overwhelm you, yeah. and it's not to do with God withholding to punish you. Yeah, so He doesn't want to overwhelm you. He's not going to yeah. give you more mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. you need to learn to bear what you've got. Yeah, yeah. isn't that I, isn't that the truth? It not understanding all of it can be such an excuse to not. Um, step more into the Christian life. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. it, you know, I, I think that's a danger. Yeah. yeah. We, we had this deep conversation in our, in our community group the other week, and I thought it was helpful is there are going to be things in, um, that we don't understand and we can wrestle with that. But to your point, Richard, but come back to the things that you do understand that God has revealed to mm-hmm. you about who he is. Yeah. Um, and when I see some of these things that I, I scratch my head, um, going back to saying, okay, but what I do know about God is this. He's just. Yeah. He's true. <laughs> and so I, I'm not... It has relieved some of the pressure of, you know... It, almost realize that that pressure's false, that, oh, I've got to figure this out. Mm-hmm. I don't think that mm-hmm. what God's mm-hmm. saying. He's saying, lean on me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then he's, he slowly opens up and gives uh, a, a better, just more yeah. understanding. And sometimes it's not just leaning on what I know like to be true, but mm. um, looking back at things God said. Richard, you should do this. Yeah. It's why I love looking through like notes and journals, like things yeah. to sort of review. Yeah. And have sometimes there's an eye on like, oh yeah, God did that. You know, yeah. being encouraged mm-hmm. by things should but with also an eye on like, yeah. is there something God said mm-hmm. and I yeah. didn't follow through? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, especially if it keeps cropping up. Uh-huh. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. like I, I need to pay attention. Yeah. But I like what you're saying as well about we can approach with a weakness and yeah. dependence because this is something God wants to do. Because mm. when you read, you talked at the beginning about that Romans yeah, thing, it Romans made me 12, think of the yeah. beginning of Colossians. Because yeah. Paul says, you know, he says, hey, we're praying for you, Colossian church, 
um, and he says, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding mm. so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit and multiplying in every good work and the knowledge of God mm -hmm. and being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for mm. endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father. You know, it goes on. Yeah. So sort of in the middle there, you've got that dynamic of like receive and mm. respond, but mm. it but the language of being fruitful and multiplying. Mm. So it's the it's the language of renewal of God, of the garden mm, mm. coming again. It's so that's the renewal theme yeah. in Romans being talked about again. Yeah. And but Paul is praying that God would supply and then the response would be by God's power. Yeah. So there's there is like some really important ingredients to this idea of becoming like Jesus is don't be like okay I'm going to like try and figure out something Jesus wants me to do. And then I'm like going to go away in my own strength and try and do it yeah. because it ain't going to go. Well, you know, maybe, maybe you'll figure some stuff out. Like truth is still truth and reality is still reality. When we try and align mm -hmm. with it, that's a good thing. But like the supercharged version of this bearing yeah. fruit of renewal actually happening mm -hmm. is like God's power, right? As the engine of what's going on. So I love I love combining Colossians yeah. with Romans. Beautiful. Well, I think of in the you know in the garden the uh, this notion of um, uh, uh, flourishing and like mm -hmm. hey you can still do some you know this this true flourishing is not in our power but it's through the gifts that God's given mm -hmm. us and, and like that's so yeah, yeah. I love how um, in Colossians what you just read that idea of of um, first the, the Holy Spirit gives us the ability to understand and to see and to hear the word of God. And he's the, he's the source and he's the resource. He's the mm. source of understanding and he's the resource for serving. And when we approach these passages um, to first pray, um, mm. I encourage everyone to first pray because it's the Holy Spirit that is going to give you uh, the ability to understand not everything because that might be too much, um, but maybe the very thing that God wants you to see um, and and take to heart. And it's that very thing that he's going to use in his resourcing for serving too. Like there's mm -hmm. a connection of what he's showing you and then what he's mm, calling you to mm. do. So not only like read with the intent of like understanding and learning, but read with the intent of, and what am I to do with that one thing this week? Mm -hmm. and, and it might be, like you said, it might be just one thing. Yeah. So even yeah. in, you know, we'll try to cover all of chapter 18 well, today. We'll see. <laughs> well, it might be just one particular mm -hmm. thing. Yeah. I mean, we say here, this every week fine. In, mm -hmm. uh, in young adults, don't yeah. we? Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. we're going to read the whole chapter, but the most important question for you tonight mm -hmm. is, is there some part or something here that you really feel like, I think the Spirit's trying to like knock yeah. on the door of my heart about this? Yeah. Pay attention to that. Yeah. Like, be drawn into that. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that's the whole point of that practice sure. of like lectio divina. Mm -hmm. You know, that like mm -hmm. divine reading. Yeah. Because that's what the Latin means. Yeah. It's like mm -hmm. I want to read, but not with a human filter 
for what am I supposed to see here? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But with a God-directed yeah. voice saying, hey, pay attention to this bit here. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And it's okay. It's just that thing. Yeah. And you miss a lot of other things. Like yeah. That's how God wants to yeah. <laughs> talk to you that day. Yeah. And I awesome. think like the other thing, when you were talking about Colossians again, it's one of my favorite, mm. Colossians 1 and 2. Mm-hmm. But... Um, Unless we make the whole podcast about Colossians <laughs> by mistake. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I think so, there was something in what you were saying, Angela. I was thinking like sometimes we get those challenges and we can almost feel like um, I think we're still learning about God's love and grace. So, so often a challenge will come up where it's like, oh, I'm not like that yet. Mm. And there's a sense of guilt and shame mm. yeah. and distance and it creates, it can almost be set in the tone of a conflict mm. like oh i've just mm. realized that there's a conflict mm. but actually like what what paul goes on to say is like yeah you, you know you need to be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for endurance and patience like yeah that sounds like pushing through the challenge but then mm-hmm. the rest of it is really important like with joy giving thanks to the father who's qualified you mm. to share in the inheritance of the saints in the light mm-hmm. like from a position of someone who knows your identity, you have belonging, you have acceptance, you have security. And like these, you're learning about things as Jesus is kingdoming your life. But it's about growing into the identity you have, not feeling ashamed. Mm-hmm. You're like every time you, you realize one of those things and the enemy comes with that voice of shame. Mm-hmm. you know or voice of, of just i don't know feeling less mm. it's like, that it's actually an invitation to be like and that's not who you are so you don't need to be ashamed what jesus yeah. is doing right now is inviting you to realize that there's nothing to be ashamed of there because that's not who he's made you to be and i'm going to teach you how to live into what you actually are and it's not like with a heart of like earthly fathers who say sometimes not everyone right but parents even um sometimes have a heart of well to for their children i wish you'd live up to your potential like Mm -hmm. that's not the god the father he's not saying i know what your potential is your identity and if you'd only get there it's more like i know who i've created you to be and you're my child and i love you right where you're you are and i'm going to give you just what you need to know right when you need to know it to do the next thing mm-hmm. and that is 100% my plan for you yeah. and it's good and it's loving and my grace is all over it um and i think just we we apply our our this language of father and child um, that we know of the world in a way that could make us feel guilty, just like what you're saying. Mm-hmm. So to be careful, like what Steve was saying, to not just insert our own understanding into things. Mm-hmm. Allow your mind, uh, pray for for the Holy Spirit to renew your mind about what that identity in Christ means. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not one of, of being condemned. Yeah. It's one of being loved. I, I mean... I, Actually, this it does relate to the chapter here about yeah. the little children, right? Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I think it's as we get older, we get this dysfunctional notion that I'll get acceptance when I'm perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than my acceptance is the thing that's going to enable 
my process of perfection, mm-hmm. my process of becoming, mm-hmm. of, you know, growing That's exactly more like it. Jesus. Yes. Well, I can't help but like as, <laughs> so this will get us into a different one of Paul's letters as well. But this why not? No- let's let's get them all in this yeah. this week. <laughs> no, but that notion of guilt versus kind of opportunity. I think of, you know, Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, and he's talking about his weakness, the thorn in his side, mm-hmm. etc. And he says, and, you know, but Jesus said to him, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in your weakness. And so yeah. Paul boasts about his weakness and ends ends that with, I delight in weakness and insults and hardships and persecutions and difficulties. Um, to look at it that way, I delight in those things because he finishes it for when I am weak, then I am strong. Because yeah. that's it, God will use that um, as yeah. a way to. That's part of making us yeah. perfect mm-hmm. and transforming us. And that's so hard in mm-hmm. our culture. Yeah, that's mandate so is the opposite of yeah. that. So so it's so hard yeah. for us to learn to inhabit that. Yeah. 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 So inhabit our questions in here sometimes yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. And say, okay, yeah. that's all right. How can God actually speak into that? How can God make, you know, his his grace to supply in that moment, in that question mm-hmm. to bring us uh, closer to him? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Should we should we All right, let's go to chapter should we, should 8. We do all, a little all, bit of Luke. All, all this to <laughs> Chapter eighteen, because we've got a lot going on. Because here, yeah, right? and we there's do. a lot of questions. Yeah. So I'm I'm going to throw out a little bit of last week. Yeah, to launch. Please. So because the big number eighteen was not something yes. Luke put in. Thank so you. we think it's like oh, one chapter's done, turn the yeah. page, new chapter. But it's it's not. And so he'd just been talking to his disciples about the need to be watchful in the season of like waiting mm. for Jesus to fulfill the kingdom. Um, some of the risks and things like that. And then he goes on to, I mean, literally the, the, the first verse is he told them a parable. And this is great. I love when Luke's like, hey, you might not get like the purpose of this parable, so I'm just going to tell you. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. I, That's so much better for us, so much easier for us. I have to do less work. Um, sometimes Luke doesn't do it and he's not messing up. It's because actually he's like, oh, reader, I really want you to like think and mull this one over. But this one he tells us and he says, it's so that you can learn the lesson that you always ought to pray and not lose heart. Hmm. Which I think some translations say not give up, but not lose heart is a really poignant Mm -hmm. image. Mm -hmm. And so we launch into a conversation, a parable about prayer and persistence and losing heart, but it's on the back of Jesus talking about navigating the season of waiting for the, like being in the inaugurated period Mm. where the kingdom's inaugurated, but not fulfilled Mm. where Jesus has come and is coming where renewal is begun, but not finished like navigating that space with the with tensions and temptations to look back mm. and things like that, so it that adds it adds a little twist. Mm-hmm. You know, this it, it's not just hey, in all the things you pray, all the things you pray about. The point is, you should never give up praying for anything. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I like how you said and not use heart, not just give up, because that even takes me back to all the way to the beginning of chapter seventeen when Jesus is saying, hey, things are going to come along. 
um, to stumble. And, and, you know, in Tim's teaching last week talking about, well, that's sometimes we treat each other badly. We, you know, we offend, we sin against Mm -hmm. each other. We, we are harming each other. So, you know, getting into this part, like, we're in, in that in between, and yeah. even believers are hurting each other, um, and hopefully we're forgiving each other. But yeah. there's good, but don't lose heart. And it relates to the whole okay. conversation we just had mm. about becoming, and um, you know, we're we're trying to like Jesus wants to make us a countercultural mm. kingdom people. Mm. And so the temptation at the end of chapter 17 was like, hey, you're going to live in this broken world that's not kingdom-shaped, and the temptation will be to normalize the unkingdomness, mm. to get used to it, to have it shape you. And he's mm. like, no, you're going to have to be watchful. You're going to have to be active in resisting that. Mm. And so then it's really interesting, the lose heart about what? Because I think if you read this disassociated from the previous chapter, from chapter 17 it's really easy to think the lesson here is like Matt I really want Jesus to like give me a new job and so I, I don't want to like I don't want to give up I don't want to lose heart about that but I think that what we're losing heart about is actually a bit more specific it's like there's a there's a hope and a heart and a drive to be like I'm we are going to be a countercultural presence in Portland yeah. we are going to be a kingdom shaped family that shows this world a little bit of Eden, a little bit of the Trinity, a little bit of Jesus. Um, And we're not going to lose heart in that. And in order to not lose heart in that, we we will not stop praying. That's actually a really different lesson sometimes than I feel like if you just read this by itself. If you just just started here (coughs) without that context, this is... Hey, pray for those things that I, the, those, maybe they're those uh, personal um, kind of requests. Yeah. Hey, things I, that I, matter. I, yes, but, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Um, they may be a more like just for this time, like yeah. I've got a, a need I'm praying about. Yeah. I want this healing or I yeah. want, to, you yeah. know. And we should be persistent about those prayers yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, I think. Th- the more we're tuned into Jesus, mm. the more those things will be like, I, I really want to pray for resolution in that conflict I'm having with my neighbor mm. because I, I really feel like there's an opportunity to, uh, like the yeah, kingdom yeah, yeah. to break out yeah. in this opportunity mm. for, for it to, to go differently yeah. as well. So we should say yeah. what the parable is. Oh, and th- this is this that. actually, it reminds me of uh, the parable of the unjust steward that we had a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That was one of those parables where it's like, hey, even if like this happens in the world, how much more should yeah. the people of God and, you know. So yeah. we've got a similar dynamic where the picture in the parable is like, uh, I don't think God's like that. Like, yeah. I think God's a lot better than that. And mm-hmm. it's like, exactly. Like, that's the point. That's right. If even, yeah, so... So we've got a widow, yep, who comes. So, so, so someone probably poor, probably in need. It's yeah. a picture of someone who's really dependent, and very much a widow in that mm-hmm. day and age was really vulnerable. Yeah, incredibly yeah. vulnerable. The, one of the most vulnerable in society. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the judge in this. The first in in just verse two, describing the judge. You learn something about his character, who he is. 
He neither feared God nor cared what people thought. Yeah. So that's the setting the stage here. This is the kind of judge he is. And here comes a widow, um, and she's pleading, grant me justice against And not my just adversary. coming, but kept coming as yeah, well. Yeah, kept coming, kept coming. So repeatedly, repeatedly. And... Um, and she was truly alone. In those days, women didn't didn't usually approach a judge. It was usually their their you know father, brother, if it was a widow, someone yeah. who would represent mm-hmm. her. Yeah. But the fact that a woman is coming to this judge, truly, we we know that she has she has no one. She has no one. Mm. So no one to advocate for her. So she is going to this judge asking for justice against her adversary. Yeah. And she's going to this judge who his reputation is, I don't care what people think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't care what God thinks. I don't care what yeah. you think. It's like, how do you appeal to someone like yeah, that? There's, yeah. like, what, there's no basis to appeal to them. Right? And you go, wow, this is a strange way to set yeah. up a story, <laughs> a parable. And so then his response, this is like Jesus is in yeah. full, full like um, ironic comedy mode, yeah. um, I think. Um He's like, because he actually says to it, like putting the words in the judge's own mm-hmm. mind, like he says to himself, though I don't fear God and don't respect man, like <laughs> yeah. anyone's actually consciously thought that themselves. But it really puts Has this person as like... Has anybody ever thought that? So Jesus yeah. is painting a picture of someone who is so <laughs> conscious of their lack of care, they can even voice it to themselves. Yeah. It's like a cartoon. Yeah. Almost. But this, this widow keeps bothering me. I'm going to give her justice. Otherwise, she's just going to, like, kill me by continually coming to me. She won't leave me alone. Like, I just don't want to be pestered. Yeah. Like, I'm so fed up with being pestered by her, I'm going to give her justice. So it's a picture of someone getting justice because of perseverance, even though absolutely everything was stacked against her getting a response. Mm. That's that. So that's the picture that's painted, right? Um, and, and so then Jesus kind of adds the commentary and says, and will not God give justice to his elect, like his chosen mm-hmm. ones that he cares about who cry to him? And anytime you hear of people crying to God, it's like a theologically laden yeah. word all through the scriptures. People like... um like crying out in desperation is matched with like, and God heard the cry. Mm-hmm. Like God is so tuned in to cries of dependence yeah. and desperation. Mm-hmm. Um, will he delay? No, I tell you, he will speedily give them justice. And so there's a sort of, you know, how much more will continuing to pray be effective mm-hmm. given that God is completely unlike this judge? Yeah. Like he, you as a people actually belong to him. You're the elect. And he hears the cry of people like the knocking on the door, you know, uh, where the judge, that was an unwelcome interruption. Mm -hmm. The knock on the door to God is like, he, he loves to hear and respond to Mm. those things. He's, you know, it, it almost like the, uh, the prodigal son, you know, mm. the father's on the hill. He's not waiting for the knock at the door. He's on the hill watching people come yeah. towards him. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's on the lookout for those things. Yeah. So how much more should we pray? So it's trying to sort of encourage the sense of like, you, everything is stacked 
in favor of you getting a response. And and so then is the twist then, because now he twists it again, this last verse is, nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? And so is he saying, look, look at this unjust judge who basically gives in, you know he's unjust, the city knows he's unjust, the widow keeps coming, pleading, and she gets justice. Yeah, You should know who God is, and he's so much better than this. He is just. Um, he acts speedily. We've see, He cries out to mm-hmm. his people. Is when the Son of Man comes, are you going to be acting like you know that's true and yeah. going to him? And will there be the fruit of... Yeah. I, actually, I think we can use the image mm. from the last chapter because he, he talks about Lot fleeing Sodom and Gomorrah oh, yeah. and Lot's wife turning back and was turned to a pillar yeah, of salt. Yeah. So mm-hmm. when the Son of Man comes, will he find you having prayed your way out of the city, making progress mm, across the mm. plains towards Eden and renewal mm. and and building the kingdom? Or will he find a pillow of salt? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, did you persevere? Did, did prayer move you out of Sodom? Yeah. Did, it, uh, did it create a new reality, a kingdom reality? And not just in you, did did praying enable you to do it, but did your prayers that that, that mobilize God to accomplish things Mm -hmm. actually, you know, so it's a a twofold thing. Did it affect you and did your prayers affect the world? Is Is there more of Eden because of your prayers or is the tragedy that you're kind of in no man's land as a pillar of salt? Yeah. Is it? I, I see that last verse in the first verse because if this is to show them that they shouldn't give up, they shouldn't lose heart. Yeah. Is this at the end? He's saying, "So am I going to find you having given up hope, given up, uh, you know, lost your heart?" Yeah. You know. Well, and I think this is one of the more prevalent dangers mm. to Christians that I see in our culture. I don't see that many Christians who have lost heart and just decided, you know what, I'm going to live a life of debauchery, prodigal right. son, living. Yeah, I'm just like sex, drugs, and rock and roll. Yeah. Mm-hmm. People don't tend to do that. Jesus has normally taught them enough that he's sort of reshaped their sense of like right and wrong and goodness and badness mm-hmm. and things like that, that they don't do that. What they do do is kind of stall and start to like normalize a mixture of like some Christian values and some of the world's mm, values. Mm, mm, and it's mm-hmm. like, well, I'm kind of like world shaped with uh, a couple of twists of like Jesus flavoring over mm, the top. Mm. Mm-hmm. And I'm not really fruitful. I'm not really growing. I'm not moving forward. The spirit's not flowing through me and transforming like my mm. home, my neighborhood, my workplace. Like I'm not seeing much of the power of God. I'm not seeing much renewal. Like Christians who stall are by far mm. and away the more common tragic story we see than the sort of classic like backslid Christian. And and I think it's because, you know, especially in America that is by and large a, a fairly Christianized culture, people can kind of feel like I'm being successful at being a Christian when I have a kind of life that aligns with the Christian values that the, the christian culture accepts and i stand against the things it doesn't yeah I mean, rather than something more radical and that is that's the kind of no man's land yeah. that's a no man's land and this parable i mean just i'm rereading it over and over 
as you all are, are talking and I'm just thinking this, this is a heart check. This is a heart check for every single one of us. And it's a heart check to remember that to, that God, he is the only just judge. He is based on who he is in his character. Um, and he uses this, this unjust judge, and this parable is the foil to show exactly who isn't the just judge. And we kind of scoff as we read it. Like I said, it's like a cartoon, how, how unqualified this judge is. And really, that disqualification of this, um, of this unjust judge is, is a disqualification of anywhere else that we go to worship and to um, to to look to other than Jesus, mm, mm, and um, and it really is a heart check. Yeah, it's a heart check. Mm. I'm convicted in it because it's it's realizing the character of God, um, and we forget. I think in this, you know, as you were describing, like all the places, it's this watered down Christianity. Is it are places where, and we all have these areas in our life. Um, myself, like a all every day, all day, um, forgetting who the person of Jesus is and mm-hmm. that he, he, he is where I should be putting all of my faith and trust. Mm-hmm. And it, it, like, it's a heart check, but it's also an invitation. Yeah. And yeah. I, I think here's the, Both, here's, yeah. here's the exciting context yeah. to help us catch the invitational part of this. Mm-hmm. Luke is writing a two part work. Yeah. So you've got like, you've got this challenge ringing your ears yeah. mm-hmm. and you keep reading and before you know it, you're reading Acts and yeah. you're in this dynamic of like, they prayed and the Holy Spirit came. Yeah. They prayed, 3,000 were added. Mm-hmm. They prayed, the house was shaken yeah. and they were given power and like yeah. the kingdom spread. They prayed and prison doors opened. Mm-hmm. They prayed and, you know, and just you get the mm-hmm. picture mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. like what the prayer can accomplish mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. like what would be a few pages like in the next scroll, yes. you know, um, if for people reading this work. Yeah. And so... You, you said you've got, you've got to remember that. Yeah. Well, and you said something about um, this. Uh, they've sort of settled. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about the danger of how we may settle um, and just rather than jumping off and you know going living a life of debauchery, we just settle for where we're at and like comfortable mm-hmm. in that. And this this widow is this persistency in it. This act of you know ongoingness is. Um, I guess where my mind was going was this notion of inaction is an action, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm. sort of settling. You are taking an, a step, and where am I complacent in my um, faith? Am I continuing to pray to be changed? Yeah. Am I continuing to pray to be transformed? Or have I gone, ah, I'm kind of good enough? Yeah. You know, and that's and that that sort of idea and comfort is so yeah. at the heart of the dynamic of why people settle. Because yeah. what she doesn't lose heart for is her desire for justice. Yeah. She's looking at the world and something's not right mm. and she wants it to be put right. Yeah. And so often we settle when we become comfortable enough that um we're like, Oh, I, I could stay in this space. Yeah. Yeah. Like this is this is okay. Yeah. And I think it often happens when we become a little more self-focused. Yeah. But like I, I like I've, I mean I know it happens to me. I know I have yeah. to fight this. 
but I know like I've seen it in friends. Yeah. Like when we were 18, 19, 20 and just like the world was a hostile place and we didn't have a place mm. in it yet. And we like fought for Jesus to do things and we were desperate to see Jesus bring his kingdom mm. because we were crying out for like purpose and mission and meaning and place in the world. And then so many of those same friends, you know, once they'd like got 10 years down the road of a career and had a comfortable house and had a lot of comfortable things mm, and mm. they weren't that bothered about finding their place mm, in the world mm. anymore. They found enough of a place that, you know, that care for justice had become watered down. And so I think that there's like another side of this is... Um, and it's some it's one of the other like recurring themes in Luke. We get surprises about what the kingdom's like. Yeah. One of the other surprises is just how vast and all encompassing and merciful and deep God's heart for justice is. Yeah. Like how many people he actually his vision reaches out to. Mm. And so how, that's that connects to this, I think, as well. And how total his justice and how just his just w- will be for all brokenness Mm -hmm. everywhere all types of brokenness yeah um yeah well let's keep moving forward because we've got eight verses yeah we we are we're going to speed our way through as is often the way though you get like some of the big themes out in the beginning of the conversation and you're like oh no i'm seeing how this is like Uh all continuing to play out so then then um i i i feel like uh the language is going to come out later in the chapter, mm, mm. but there's actually a little bit of a theme that's begun here of like coming to God. Oh yeah, with expectation, with dependence, like that access and and things like that, right? Mm-hmm. And so next we get another picture painted about people who thought they were righteous and treated others with contempt. So this is interesting. This is someone who um, they're a little bit like unjust judge mm. um but they're but they're not a judge they're at they're actually become people who maybe are they think they're righteous but actually they've become a source of injustice mm. in the world and um they they need they need to change so that thing of although i don't think luke had romans in mind we've now got it in mind yes, he started yes, yes. us with it that <laughs> need for transformation yeah. we're, we're kind of seeing it yeah. And uh, Jesus paints this picture, and this is going to reveal again, like, the surprising nature of, like, who's really righteous, who's Mm. on the right trajectory, like, who's making progress towards Eden across the plain, Mm. and who's actually, like, stalled or moving towards Sodom, you know, the other direction. And so you've got two people go up to pray, one a Pharisee, so classic, like, picture of righteousness, keeps the law authoritative religiously mm-hmm. spiritually um yeah a sort of role model in the society mm-hmm. of the time and a tax collector who's the opposite they're a role model for like the lowest of the low yeah. scum of the earth traitor yeah. to get another yeah. star wars quote in you know obi-wan being like never will you find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy like that's <laughs> tax collectors um uh, <laughs> thank you uh, if you're wondering yes i have memorized most of the original no, um, uh, so complete opposites. Yeah. And then you've got two contrasting pictures of how these people are stood before God, which is interesting mm. 
because we've been invited to pray and then this is like a we got two people praying yes so it's like mm. how do i approach if i want to be heard mm. right that's the that's the question again like i understand god wants to hear and this is like well there is one more thing i want to talk to you about that may get in the way of this dynamic of expressing and being heard and that connection that actually creates mm. progress and we're going to see it play out in the pharisee so the Pharisee, and again, this is like, this reads to us like savage sarcasm. Yeah. But the Pharisees really thought this way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So so we just got to like swallow it and yeah, this is really so weird. So here's what, they, he, they really did. what he is. He so says. he stands upright mm -hmm. by himself and say, God, I thank you. I'm not like other people, a, an extortioner, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. Yeah. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. So he's basically like self-congratulating. I got a big pat on God. the back here. Can, yeah, can, you, can you reach But him? here's the thing, like read between the lines. Yeah, He's thankful to God because he has this understanding, like as a child of Abraham, as someone who's got the law, my interaction with the law has meant that I'm not an adulterer, hmm. that I'm not a tax collector. And that is a good thing. Yeah, Adulterers and tax collectors were nasty people. Like this is good. Mm -hmm. But all he's able to see is the progress he's made. Mm. So it's like he's got, he's got some of the way out of Sodom. This is going to become metaphor today. Yeah, yeah. He's got some of the way out and he's looking back at Sodom and being like, oh, look how far I've come. Yeah. Like this is awesome. And, and he's distracted by that in a way that's blinded him to the fact that like, dude, you're only 20 steps out of Sodom. Yeah. Like safety is up in the hills. Like we got to, like we got to walk another three miles, you know? So he's, he's blinded by, by this sort of attitude, but the tax collector stands afar off and won't even lift up his eyes to heaven and beats his chest saying, God be merciful to me, a sinner. Hmm. All the tax collector is able to see, is his need mm. like uh, the the distance the like the thing that needs transforming and he's heartbroken by it and there's there's like a cry which is f from the last parable that, mm. like a cry of desperation crying out to god and then jesus drops the bomb i tell you the tax collector went to his house justified not the pharisee who got heard who got responded to yeah not the one everyone would have expected. Because people would have had in mind a tax collector because what you've done with your life choices, the way you've oppressed people, being this like fountain of injustice in the world, means you can cry all you want. God's never going to hear mm. you. And a Pharisee, man, you're so close to God. You barely even have to cry. Mm. I bet God's just going to bless you. So there's a sort of social consensus about how they expect these people to be treated would would leave them with those kind of inclinations expectations mm. but instead it's like no actually the pharisee is um is he doesn't return home justified he returns home i don't know unjust yeah well like humble condemned humbled right is or what with the need for for being humbled yes yeah, the pharisee yeah. Because I well, think that's yeah. that's his teaching. Yeah. At the very end, he talks about this, and it seems like we're back to 
the Beatitudes. A, well, and this exalting there. and humbling. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, this like the last few pages of yeah. Luke has cropped up three or four times. Yeah. So there's a big theme happening yeah. here. Yeah. yeah. And I see. I noticed that like in this parable, there's there are prayers. There are two prayers. There's one from the Pharisee. There's one from the tax collector. Um, compared to the previous parable, there's um, two appeals. Um, or there's just one appeal, it's to the unjust judge. And then Jesus says, you know, I am the only just judge in his teaching. Yeah. And so it's, who are you appealing to? And in what, and then in this one is, if both of, so in this parable of the tax collector, both are appealing to, to God, but, but are they? Because um, the Pharisee's really praying to himself. He's really exalting <laughs> himself and not God in mm. this. Yeah, the and whole language is so. Yeah, yeah. It's it's yes. <laughs> so we've weird. we've identified it as pride, and we've identified the tax collector as humility. But, but in your prayer, who are you praying to? Hmm. Are you saying, "Look at me, I've done all of the things, so bless me, God"? Yeah. Or are you saying, "Actually, I I've done nothing. I am nothing, um, and you're the only one." Uh, I can appeal to for help be, yeah. in my nothingness. It's humility versus yeah. pride. And that's very subtle, I think, in yeah. our prayers. And but like I, other language for the same thing is mm-hmm. like, I think the Pharisee feels strong and the tax collector feels weak. Mm. It's another, but there's a certain kind of strength. And, yeah. and that language comes to mind because you were just talking yeah. about Paul and in my weakness, yeah. I discover a different kind of strength yeah. that is so surpasses yeah. the human version of strength. Mm. Or, um, you know, uh, gosh, I'll, I'll, what's the verse? Um, well, really godly, the difference between godly wisdom and uh, man's foolishness, yeah. and God's foolishness, and, you know, is is greater than... Yeah. Yeah. But this is also, I see him also like this is the second time we've also said, hey, check your attitudes as well, because mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. a parable. Mm-hmm. He's like, again, saying, renew your thinking, renew your mind and how you're thinking about these things, because who you think is the good guy, and, yeah. or who you think is the righteous one in this, now we've got a just judge mm-hmm. who's saying no. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And I think about like the effect, it, like if you're reading this or listening to us talk about it, and Jesus has been talking to you about mm-hmm. something, and that voice of shame is in your head and it's a hard thing to engage with and open up about with Mm. god or with others um you know because it feels like it's a threat Mm. and that's that's the pride in you that's the bit of pharisee we all have in us you know being like i i i I don't think i can deal with that because when i make my peace with the humility it takes to recognize about myself that i need some transforming I diminish myself, yeah. and pride never diminishes self. But actually what Jesus is doing is creating safety. It's like that thing you're most ashamed of, that thing that humbles you the most, you can come to me with and know that I will hear you and exalt you. Yeah, Like what safety so that Jesus is creating for people to bring their crap to him, knowing that it's a safe, good thing to do. Like mm. That's an amazing reality that that can you imagine being like another tax collector mm. in a crowd listening yeah how would yeah. you walk in the temple different that afternoon yeah. right mm-hmm. i yeah. mean 
Well, first you if would you walk in, it, depending on your attitude. You, it, right? <laughs> you, would, you would try to, you would, you, maybe you'd be moved to say, "I need, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll go in." Maybe you're not going there to to begin with. Yeah, you know. And in both these cases, they went into the temple, yeah. so that's a good thing, yeah. right? That they've gone there, and then yeah, it's cool how these parables just are um, the the deep lessons in them trace right back to the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, yeah. who are, I mean, whoever helps like the mandate be for all of them. Exalted, yeah. Yeah. right? Yeah. It's right here. Yeah. Um, what this looks like in real life um, or in, in, in life of the biblical times, but can look in our lives as well, of what humility looks like um, and what it looks like to be exalted by right. God. Because that doesn't, it's not the same thing as what it looks like to be exalted in the world. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, it's a shift of values going on as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that that this continues in the next little bit where Jesus is talking about some little children, some in, so some toddlers. We would use the word. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and it's a similar sort of thing of like who comes and why they are worthy to come, mm. and like where they are in the pecking order of most liable to come well and have a good interaction. Mm-hmm. You know that sort mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. is being tweaked again um and because there were people bringing toddlers to him that he might touch them um and i, I think matthew says like it's actually bless them it's like wanting okay. it, it's not just like magic touch although mm-hmm. people did have some weird ideas in the ancient mm. world about that <laughs> but but they the you know they they wanted a little bit of god in jesus so they brought the little those little children these toddlers um and this is one of these classic, <laughs> there's no way the disciples doctored scripture or there's no way this is in here. Because <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the disciples become the ones who are putting their foot in their mouth yeah. again, which happens quite a lot. Um, so the disciples are rebuking people like, get those children out of here. Yeah. Like they're, you know, they're not. And, and this is the interesting like why. Mm-hmm. You know, because we tend to think, you know, we do a baby dedication, we yeah. get to get babies up on stage with the babies, mm-hmm. it's so much fun, you know, and uh, it's awesome. Um, but in the ancient world, little children, and, and remember it's a time when like that two-year-old, you don't know if they're going to live to make it to 10. Yeah. Infant mortality rates are through it's the huge. roof. So there was no real value placed on a child in the way that we do. You know, they they were loved by parents. So there's lots of good things, and the scriptures are full of stories. Mm. But they had a very different value system to mm. us. So these little children are not just not worth Jesus's time. It that it's actually a waste of his time. Mm. It's it's an unwelcome intrusion of something that shouldn't be seen and heard because it's it's not valuable yet. That's the attitude. That's the That's attitude where people's heads are, and Jesus flips that. Yeah. So, so the around. disciples are just living out the values of their yeah. day, and like, oh, this is exactly what we've been talking yeah. about, right? Yeah. Getting stalled, living out the values yeah. of your day, and so Jesus rebukes them and corrects them. Yeah. And says, not only guys, stop doing that. Like, let the children come to me. Don't hinder them. Don't but get then in the he way. says, because to people like them belongs the kingdom of god Mm. so much so that people who don't receive the kingdom of god like these little children won't enter it at all and having just talked about humility 
Mm-hmm. It's this interesting, like, I understand that they don't have the value, but it's not the value that makes them worthy. It's their dependence that actually mm. makes this situation of them coming to me valuable. And once again, like, I'll, like, pull that dynamic of in my weakness, I discover yeah. something. A little child is born inhabiting weakness. Mm-hmm. It's normal for them. We grow out of it. And what Paul's talking about is re-encountering a childlikeness yeah. of an appreciation of the frailty yeah. of being a human being, but then that creating the possibility of an encounter with the power of God that's way more everyday and radical yeah. than what most of us get because we tend to continue to live in strength because that's our cultural mandate in the city we live yeah. in of where we have moments of power that punctuate it. And Paul's like, no, I like I embrace all the rotten stuff and yeah. I live in a way that I open myself to it because I want to see miracles every hour. Yeah. I want to see God pull me through stuff that I couldn't get through every single minute of the day. Mm. And so, yeah, it's, I mean, it all joins up, this conversation, but it, it's, a, it's a pretty profound, again, lesson of like who can come to me yeah. and the people who are the opposite of the children who don't have dependence, who don't think they need anything are not going to enter. And we're right back to the Beatitudes. Like yeah. blessed are the poor because theirs is the kingdom of God, but the rich, the people who think they don't need to beg, the yeah. people who think they don't need anything, the people who think they can take care mm-hmm. of themselves, they don't. So it's all everything we've been saying, it comes comes out again in this parable. Well, it's again, and, and I, I see also this notion of what does faithfulness l- look like here? Because a child, I think about. I, I was, I was, as I read this, I think about when my kids were little, and when they're incapable of doing anything for themselves, et cetera, and they look up at you and they look at you with, there's not an ounce of um, doubt that you are going to go in and meet their mm-hmm. need. You know, they have, that's the faith they have. It's a certainty that you're there and you're going to mm-hmm. meet their needs. And, and this notion of, hey, coming to God with a certainty that he's going to be this just judge, that he's going to um, redeem this brokenness yeah. that you have, your hurt, your deepest hurt. Yeah. Um, you, like children do that when they, you know, lift their arms up, they know you're going to pick them up. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. And the, just to bring that theme of prayer into this as well, when he says, let the little children come to me, um, because he's talking about, I mean, the previous two parables were, were, you know, evidence of appealing to God through prayer. There's a need. Um, and so the idea in the culture that, um, at least with the Pharisees, that they were the intercessors mm. to God. Um, the the lay person couldn't couldn't approach God, yeah. um, and That's so good. the approach here is anyone can approach God, even the little children. They just ha- have to know who to approach. Um, is it through pride or is it through the recognition that they're they're unworthy and mm-hmm. they need Jesus? And so even the little children. Um, in fact, it's their humility and their lack of, of, um, of, of education and, um, you know, they're, they're just the lowliest. Um, they, they can be first. Yeah. Um, and it's so, almost as if Jesus 
might have said at some point the first she'll be last. Yeah, yeah it's, <laughs> that would have been really cool if you'd said that. <laughs> so, but, yeah. it, but again, it's like a twofold. It's a challenge and invitation. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. like it makes us want to mm-hmm. pray a prayer like Jesus, mm-hmm. humble my pride. Yeah, and Jesus exalt my humility. Yeah, like I I know it. This yeah. this this it's great. Uh, this picture of the children makes the the weak child part of me be inspired with confidence to approach God mm-hmm. and the bits that, that I know this pride it makes me want to figure out like what to do something yeah. about them and and here's like part of the the twist of how we get changed we tend to live life with our proud part in the foreground and our child part hidden yeah behind safety mm-hmm. not yeah. vulnerable and actually the kingdom way is to actually allow yeah. the child to be yeah. in the foreground um, because uh, actually that part of us is what might erode mm. the, the proud part of us mm. when it's allowed to be expressed, you know, to in prayer, in life, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, really good. So, so then we get another interaction and it's, again, it's a similar theme. Someone is asking about how to get into the kingdom and how to mm. approach God. So it's a very similar theme, okay. like who, how do you get in, who mm. gets in, you know, things like that. Um, and, and this this is really cool, actually, because it's a it's a, a ruler, um, so probably a, a religious ruler, and um, someone who respects Jesus because he said he calls him good teacher. Mm-hmm. So someone who's like on that path towards discipleship, if not already a disciple. Um, and he says, "What must I do to inherit eternal life?" And it's interesting because Jesus pulls out a little bit of like, "Hey, I want you all to see like there's a yeah. like we got a relationship here. Look, this guy, look at what this guy's treating me like." Mm-hmm. He says, "Hey, why do you call me good? No one's good except God. You must see a little spark mm-hmm. of God in this interaction." And so then he just kind of goes on, yeah, yeah. and, and <laughs> carries on a little bit. And and then he says, "Well, you know the commandments," and and reels off a few commandments. And the guy says, "I've kept all these from my youth." So he points to the law, and the guy's like, "I'm trying to follow the law." Yeah. Like, but he's got a sense of like, what else, you know? And um, like this person, it's sort of interesting because they're doing some of the right things they knew to do, but they had a craving for like certainty, and maybe more security, more, more of something, which is like, they're not asking because they're just like. Well, you know, I'm just mm. I'm just a Roman. I just rocked up in town. This is all very interesting. I don't know anything about right. it. How do you how do you get eternal life? Yeah. No. So there's there's something where he's he feels like he's missing something still. And then Jesus says to him, "One thing you lack: sell all you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me." So the thing you're missing is actually a reorientation around. Um, I mean, there's some justice here. Mm-hmm. Like you've got plenty and the poor don't. So it's like you need to move towards justice. Um, the uh, using treasure to buy friends in heaven kind of thing that was in the unjust steward parable again yeah. of like you need that shift of values to be like don't hoard possessions to make yourself secure be insecure in possessions to be secure in the kingdom things. Right. Um, and come follow me. Like 
commit. You see me as a good teacher. Become a disciple. Yeah, you know? gosh, and that's that's so interesting. So it's there's an when I when you phrase it that way, and as he phrases it, then come follow me. There's an active, ongoing mm-hmm. sort of implication in, in that, as opposed to just he seems to be coming with like I need an answer. You know, I need something to do. I, I need you know what the answer is versus I need to shift entirely and and pursue something. Yeah. <laughs> you know, an ongoing pursuit yeah. of something. Yeah. He he's someone who you'd maybe describe as like, oh, what's your neighbor like? Are mm. they Jesus follower? Like, no. I mean, we talk about Jesus. They seem to really like Jesus mm-hmm. and they say, like, yeah, I really I, I like some of this yeah, Jesus yeah. stuff. But they don't really follow Jesus yet. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. You know. And and it's then interesting because what we're seeing play out is Jesus is showing some of the markers of what it means to be moving mm. away from Sodom, to bring that metaphor back in. There again. you go. I like it. Keep keep. But we it. also are seeing something that can be, well, that can make us look back, right? Mm-hmm. To, to he he's kind of like a Lot's wife figure. Yeah. Jesus he's is saying, looking let's go at this his, way. His but wealth he's sad. and his comfort. And, and it's interesting because it doesn't say he says no, right? But it just yeah. says he's sad. He He's sort of grieving, like, and we don't know, like, are you grieving because you're like, I wish that wasn't the answer? Or are you grieving because you're like, that's the answer, but whew, I'm grieving because I, I recognize how hard it's going to be yeah. for me to do that. Not, not entirely yeah, sure yeah, which yeah, it yeah. is. But the reason he's sad is because he was extremely rich. Yeah. So to move into like kingdom justice and to put his treasure other places and maybe even find his security in different places mm-hmm. would be a really it's big gonna ask. It's going to cost him. It's going to cost him a lot. Yeah. It's going to be giving up a, you know, a lot. And so yeah, he's really sad. And Jesus says, wow, it's so difficult for those who are wealthy mm. to enter the kingdom of God. Because the kingdom of God, like the thing we've been learning, is the kingdom of God is about humble, like the cry mm-hmm. of humble dependence. Mm. And it's really hard for people who have lots of wealth to actually discover that part of themselves and allow it to be in the foreground that is a childlike cry of humble dependence. Mm. Uh, and so, and, and Jesus actually then paints a picture. You know, it's like easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person. So he's saying, "Hey, we need to recognize like here's a dynamic around wealth that is actually it, it can be counter kingdom. Wealth can be a dangerous thing." Well, which hasn't is so he said that just a couple of chapters ago? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Wasn't this whole? That, I mean, I, I I can't help but Jesus has this way of saying kind of these very similar things over and yep. over and over yep. and over again. Maybe that's because he realizes uh, how difficult these things are for yeah. us to grab and how how our mind, ha- we, you know, it takes a while for yeah. us to be changed and reoriented yeah. in this, our thinking, because I don't know about you, but I'll, I will justify my own behavior mm-hmm. sometimes, and it's difficult, really hard to... Um, Oh, I need to learn from that yeah. and go on. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Peter says to him, "But we, we've, we've left everything. We've done it, you know." And so that 
And then Jesus kind of puts him in his place and says, um, and this is a head scratcher, this last verse in this parable. Um, no one who has left home or wife or brothers uh, or sisters or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God will fail to receive many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So, so yeah, it's just like that idea that we make excuses and yet we still don't see it in the same way that God sees it. So be yeah. careful. You think you've, mm. you've surrendered everything, but have you? Um, and so Richard, what is he saying? Well, again, the, it's like, verse? I think it's like, well, the, uh, two things. Because there's a really important verse in here. What yes. is impossible with man is possible with yeah. God. Mm -hmm. So there is a dynamic we can understand. We, we've seen yeah. pride, humility, security, insecurity, dependence, trust. We've seen these things playing out. So I understand. I can see how wealth makes it hard. And it's interesting because then Peter's like, oh, man, like how can that guy ever get saved? Right. And, and Jesus is like, yeah, at a human level, there's, you can't see how that guy's heart mm -hmm. is going to be turned. But with God, it's possible. Yeah. So that's like the little twist mm -hmm. that's really interesting. Because yeah. otherwise we might think that wealth is a surefire, like it, that it kills the possibilities of the kingdom. Because wealth has a danger, but wealth is also something God uses. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Like the steward and using sure. our resources. And like Abraham, God blessed him to be a blessing. Right. So, like, wealth is something that God mobilizes and uses, but it has a danger depending on some attitude things. So, that, so that's so in then, there, yeah. like that possibility. So the, there's the warning around right attitudes and, and especially towards wealth, which is profound in a culture where we live in this, like, American dream of, like, everyone could be a millionaire yeah. and that's what everyone should want. And it's like, mm -hmm. well, why do you want that? Mm-hmm you know so so it just man this really speaks to yeah. we've got this we need this warning but then also i think is the invitation and the safety because peter's like well we've given up everything to follow you and jesus is like hey i'll tell you the truth guys yeah all these people i'm lifting off that have lost things and left things and sacrificed things you need to know like you're going to actually receive because of that mm when you do what I'm telling this guy to go to sell everything you have and give to the poor, that's like the recent picture that Jesus has just talked about. Like he, he could say to that guy who's sad, like, man, I, I tell you the truth. If you sell everything and give to the poor, you will continue to receive in this life and mm -hmm. in the life to come eternal life. And, and it's not, it doesn't say like, if you give everything, if you give away a million, God will give you two. It's not talking yeah. just about money, but it's talking about receiving and, um, yeah, this kind of uh, treasure in heaven. Yeah, like the, the which is going to be talked about so many times. Like that, that moth doesn't eat, that rust doesn't destroy. Yeah. Like what, what's the investment in something that is truly of enduring value? Mm. And so, there's a there's an affirmation, an encouragement as well as a challenge in here that relate to it. They're sort of flip sides of the coin, I think. Yeah. I, I That verse 27 as well that you said, hey, that this this verse, Jesus replies, what what is impossible with man is possible with God. I think I've always read that also as ultimately that's an answer to that question that the um, ruler asked, what must I do to inherit 
you know, eternal life in, in the, in so far as it's like, that's almost a question of what are the things I need to do? Mm -hmm. And ultimately is Jesus sitting here answering the question is like, this is kind of what it looks like, but he knows, God knows that following, like it's impossible for man on his own to follow the law. The law is drawing um, us to our need mm-hmm. for Jesus, and Jesus is saying, standing right in front of him, saying, "Hey, it's it's actually really impossible without me. Yeah, you know, it's only possible through me um, and with me um, in this." And so, I, I don't know. That's given me like it's it's more difficult than you actually think to do all these things, whatever yeah. it may you may be holding on to. Um, whatever plans you have, that it's kind of the wrong question mm-hmm. <laughs> almost. You're, our fundamental need is to receive Christ. Yeah, you know, to be to receive, and, and then and I, you need God's power to. It's yeah. like the Colossians thing again, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. It's like we've all got a little bit of pride in our heart, and yeah. if pride and like the things that are playing out here are so powerful. What yeah. hope is there? God reveals. God's yeah. power transforms. God, like, yeah. it, but for all of those dynamics that we talked about in Colossians yeah. at the beginning, the recognition of our pride would damn us yeah. and, and make us lose heart. Mm. But because of the reality of who God is, like we, when, when shame says, oh, you've just realized how black your heart is with pride, you should go hide under the duvet from God. Actually the correct impulse is to like fall on our knees safe into our, not begging for mercy. Although if depending on how your pride is playing out, you may need to ask forgiveness Mm -hmm, from mm -hmm. Jesus uh, and, and and heal something, but it's more falling safe into your father's Mm -hmm. arms, knowing that he will cleanse you and purify you Mm -hmm. and transform Mm -hmm. you. And that's sort of like, to bring another book in we haven't we haven't had any uh. john Iron literature so we can go for like first john like <laughs> if go. we confess our sins he's, he's faithful, faithful and just to forgive us mm-hmm. and to yeah. cleanse us from all unrighteousness yeah. one is his his even up further his uh invitation is then just is really simple then just come and follow me mm-hmm. that's come and receive come and and i also love the way tell me if the if i'm thinking about these last two verses, 29 and 30, in this in the right way. Because I, I see in here also this invitation, because he's sort of given the counter of this, people who don't do this will fail to receive um, uh, many times as much in this age and in the age to come eternal life. So he sort of gives that. But is that also the implication, hey, when you do, when we are fully committed and when we are giving up all this, and when we do come and follow Jesus, uh, I guess I, I get a real assurance that it's not only um, um, he's calling us into a life that begins now, yeah, you know, that can be transformed now. Those relationships, everything that he mm-hmm. talks about, actually, that gets transformed here and now, as well as you know, eternal life yeah. is to come. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because th- for them, these we, these were the most close to home entrenched commitments yeah. they had was family relationships and and your home mm. uh, we actually have some different ones like yeah. they they lived more subsistence lives yeah. so they didn't really have this concept of a career and a vocation and a job 
which right. is things we tend to be committed to as well. Mm-hmm. But um, and Jesus, is, he's this has come up a few times where he said like, hey, the announcement of the kingdom is going to mean division. Mm. There are going to be some people mm. who, I mean, we're going to see it play out in the next chapters. Mm. There's going to be some people who stand and cry, crucify him. And there's going to be some people who want to bury him in a tomb and want to go outside and weep and, and you know, all of these things. And those people might be from the same family because they didn't really have, they had a concept more of households and families moving together. Mm-hmm. And Jesus is saying like, no, this is going to get, this is going to get down to not just your heritage, but your heart, which is why these fault lines are so important. Mm that you can be a, a, the same child of the same family of the same line of Abraham. And that, that that's not what it is right. about. That's not who your identity no. lies in anymore. Yeah. It was very tribe and family and they're in my culture. Yeah. You had your inner leader circle and it was tight and, un, yeah. and, and impermeable. Mm, and mm. now Jesus is just turning that all on its yeah. end. Like I think, you know, we, if we put maybe some of our, concepts over the top of this we would be like these are the things that lot's wife looked back for mm. yeah maybe she looked back because of her home she left uh, and their concept of home could be it is mm-hmm. more like family and belonging and yeah. place mm-hmm. but ours can literally be a house yeah mm-hmm. did she look back for a career did she look back for a neighbor mm. Did she look back because she's like, yeah, but I'm a citizen of this country. I don't want to give that up mm-hmm. and go overseas well, and serve Jesus. Did she look back for her comfort? Yeah. Like I all mean, these honestly. things. So, th- so th- this is the looking back yeah. playing out That's as well. Good. Well, we'll finish up the chapter. I think we'll probably end up picking up the end of this chapter because it relates really strongly to the beginning of the next one. So we'll probably yeah. talk about it more next week. All right. Okay, let's do so that. this, I feel like this is a little bit of a trailer forward, but it's some of the same themes yeah, are continuing yeah, yeah, on because yeah. the big number 19, Luke didn't put that there. Right. right. So we, we do get, um, there is a little change of scene, like often like a clue to reading Luke when Luke changes geography, when there's a new place, it's like end scene and a new scene. Uh, and the scenes often relate, but they're distinct scenes. And we get this thing in the middle, which is just giving us insight that Jesus was heading towards Jerusalem and he knew what was coming. So he is choosing to move towards what is coming, which we will talk about at Mm. length, I'm sure, at some point. Um, And the disciples don't get it and they don't understand what's going on. So that's part of the sort of, Mm. it's almost like the narrator breaks in. Mm-hmm. to like the, the scene it's just like it's one you understand like the big picture of what's happening still of yeah. this, this movement between scenes and then he's on the way to jerusalem he's near jericho and um it's really interesting because we've got this same theme of like who responds mm. who's received whose prayer is heard and we're going to get two surprises because we've got a blind beggar and then Next up in chapter 19, we've got Zacchaeus. Mm -hmm. So it's going to be interesting to talk about those two together a little bit. But this blind beggar is another person who does get a response. But they're the sort of person that you might not expect to get a response. Um, And it's another, it's like the little children. It's someone who God wants to respond to. But given the, the broken worldly like society's values they try to get in the way mm. 
of that person asking and God responding. Mm. So mm. there's like God, there's something God's like, hey, this is the kind of thing, like this is it, this is the kingdom, yeah. like this sort of person, this sort of way, crying out to me, like that's it. And, oh no, there's people trying to get in the way of it. Yeah. So, it, um, yeah, I think this really relates to like, let let these little infants come to me as well. Well, in, a, in also in a way, now that you say that, what I also hear is, remember, you know, gosh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, it's it's the Pharisees talk complaining about, hey, why are you with the tax collectors yeah. and the, the sinners, the prostitutes? Yeah. They're angry. And and now we've got the disciples kind of, you know, or is this the disciples? Um, but some of them are um, uh, do, 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 uh, those who led the way rebuked him. And so we've got people mm-hmm. rebuking him. And I think maybe I'm reading in this a, just a caution for us. It's easy. We look at... Uh, oftentimes the Pharisees, uh, they should have known better, et cetera. And and I think there's we can talk mm-hmm. about that. And um, but there's also like where in my heart do I have this Pharisaical attitude? Yeah, to, I've got it figured out. Um, and uh, you know that's not for you. Yeah, <laughs> you know, and and I've got to be cautious myself. Yeah, um, for doing that. And and it's that sort of um, we should actually paint the picture in a second, but it's yeah. that uh, it just makes me think of like people who are really Jesus shaped that I respect. Mm. And there's one guy, and the, I think it's an expression of humility, like being like a keynote speaker at a mm. big conference, like an imp- I'm doing air quotes important person mm-hmm. can't do air quotes on a podcast useless. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, going to the conference meal at the restaurant, like all, all the speakers get to spend that time together, have that quality time, you know. And how does he spend the evening? He spent most of the evening talking to the waitress mm. because mm-hmm. she had never heard about Jesus and had a lot of really hard stuff going on in her life. I needed someone who would listen to her and love her and encourage her, you know, yeah. and it's... And I think this is a moment like that, this parable yeah. of like who's really worth our attention. It kind mm-hmm. of shifts. It Like I don't want to get in the way of people coming to Jesus, but I'm also like I'm one of Jesus's representatives. So I don't want to get in the way of Jesus coming to other people or coming to me mm-hmm. as well. So this plays out on like lots of different levels. Yeah, and this is an interruption to... Yes, an unwelcome interruption. Like, surely Jesus has got more important things to be doing, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he kind of goes, I think maybe Luke's telling us, like, actually, there's people are so valued to Jesus that, like, that's, he knows he's on mission. He knows what he's Mm -hmm. doing. He's going for a purpose. And yet he's still stopping. Yeah. And Jesus is, that's, I mean, there's a meta theme here of like, yeah. look at all the people Jesus had time for. Yeah. The, the like yeah. the rich young ruler, Zacchaeus, you know, really mm-hmm. like important person, beggars, adulterers. Yeah. Like um, he, he had time for all of them, which is really interesting. Yeah. But, the, but the picture is Jesus is traveling and there's a blind person begging um, and he doesn't know what's going on because he can't see. But right. he hears a commotion. He's like, what's going on? They said, oh, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. And so he just starts yelling, yeah. Jesus of Nazareth, have mercy on me. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, sorry, Jesus, son, son of David, have mercy on me. Um, and the, the people around him, are, they're rebuking him like, shut up. 
like yeah. stop don't disturb don't like get in the way don't he interrupt yells even more yeah. yeah and he's just like i and I'm i mean d- oh it's almost, down. almost like luke might have had a theme going here about yeah. perseverance in prayer right yeah. <laughs> he just wouldn't give up like he, he cried the persistent cry of like, I will be heard. I will keep crying. Mm-hmm. Like, because I, there's something I know this man is the one I need to hear me. Mm. And so he just keeps crying out. Um, and, and when then Jesus got near, he, he stops what's going on. This is like the woman, um, he, he's bleeding. He touches right. like interrupt. Then he is the one to interrupt. Yeah. Jesus interrupts in order to, engage what do you want me to do lord let me recover my sight jesus says recover your sight your faith has made you well will the son of man find faith on the earth yeah where's the perseverance in prayer it's like it's all it's all bearing fruit now in Mm. in this picture of it working with the extra challenge of like don't get in the way of it Mm. so recover your sight your faith has made you well immediately he recovered his sight and followed him glorifying god which again is like, come follow me. Yeah, he follows. So it just like, this guy's the bomb. <laughs> like yeah. he is, he's such a, a radical example of like how it's supposed to work. He would not give up. He had, he had no right to interrupt. He had like there was there was nothing in a worldly sense. Like he should have just shut up. Mm-hmm. But he like impetuously cried out and persevered crying out. He asked, he expressed that faith. He put that dependence in Jesus's hands. And then he received, he followed Jesus and it led to the result of, and all the people saw it and gave praise to God. also praised God. So we saw these parables of these different prayers, these different people appealing um, to some to, um, you know, unjust, judge then appealing to God through prayer. Now you have an actual situation of someone appealing to God and, and, um, and how Jesus responds and that idea that it's immediate, um, that idea that it, it wasn't an, it was a perceived interruption. The disciples perceived it as an interruption. Um, but that idea of that man yelling out is a prayer, right? And sometimes, and I've um, we actually talked about this in our community group once. Um, sometimes we forget to pray or choose not to pray because we think either God is too busy, He's my prayer is not significant enough. Why would He stop what He's doing for me? I'm only going to pray certain things, but not other things. Um, and and if you impose that on the as to onto God is the reason that you're not you're not ad- approaching him this parable says wait rethink exactly how you think of God and rethink about what he can do and that you are enough for that interruption because it was part of his plan anyway and he's going to use that answer prayer for his kingdom to teach others and mm-hmm. to be glorified it's not just about you it's about what he's doing in answering that prayer mm-hmm. for his kingdom. Yeah. Um, mm. So it to me, this parable helps me rethink And that a awareness bit of, of what God's doing around you. Around you, yeah. he uses it all, and it just helps me rethink about what I pray for, when I pray, and what I truly believe about prayer. Mm. Yeah. And I like the picture of the person that's getting in the way, because I'm not sure it's the disciples. 
Um, like right. it, it says those who were in front rebuked him. Yeah. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I kind of imagine the scene like this, like red carpet moment, right? Jesus and yeah. the disciples yeah. Yeah. are heading down the red yeah. carpet and there's someone at the barrier at the fence yeah. and they're at the front because they really want to be seen with you. They, or yeah, they, want, yeah. they want Jesus to see them. You know, and there's someone behind lying on the floor shouting and like, shut up, man. Like I got to the front. Like I want him to see me. Yeah. And what they what they should have done is looked at themselves, looked at the man lying in the dust and said, Jesus, over here. Come over here. I really want you to see this person. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There should have been a humility. So it's a similar theme again coming out. Yeah. Yeah. It's really good. All right. Well, that's it. That's chapter 18. So much stuff. So many big. I mean humility pride like those sorts of faith these things come up they are big things so much to think about so good thank you but hopefully the conversation today it's a little bit of a model of like the kind of conversation you could have in community and then um yeah if you were just reading the chapter and being like i don't understand what's going on hopefully you just feel a little bit more settled mm. keep mm. reading the chapter but and see reading it and what is the thing that God that's it is and find that thing open, what is he trying to bring you towards definitely because yeah. i think sometimes that's what you could do like you could you could read a commentary you could listen to us you could listen to the bible you can do all that stuff right and be like wow there's so much big important stuff yeah. and it, it kind of feels a little overwhelming the invitation is um Hey, the, the thing that's really important is the thing Jesus wants to interact yeah. with you about today as you read this. And so there can be lots of good things we've said, but the thing that matters is like, where does Jesus want to draw you in and speak to you? Yeah, so That's the great thing. Answer that question. Yes. All right, have fun with it, and we'll catch you next time. Take care.